This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Oh, good to be with you from Port Charlotte, where spring training continues. We've gone through about a week or so of games so far, and joining us to talk about that and many of the other goings on is Mark Topkin. And Topper, I guess the way things have gone to this point, this has kind of been a week for the kids. You've got some guys who are banged up. Carlos Gomez has yet to arrive. Uh, other than Denard Span, it's been mostly the kids who've been playing a lot. It is, and, and there have been some impressive performances. I mean, I think we saw Willie Adamas hit that opposite field homer the other day it was impressive. And then on Wednesday in Fort Myers, you saw uh, Ryan Yarbrough and Yanni Chirinos. I mean, they were kind of the undersung guys in that rotation at Durham last year. Brent Honeywell, for some reason, seemed to get most of the attention. But those two guys pitched pretty well. And Kevin Cash, you know, after the game, said they're definitely in the mix for bullpen jobs. You know, the Rays have kind of set their rotation, but they certainly have some openings in the bullpen. They've got a lot of candidates. I'd be curious to see. And, you know, taking the kid theme a little bit further, uh, we saw Jesus Sanchez a couple times now, and, and you know he's not a guy who factors into the plans this year, but a very interesting player, multi-talented, and just a great kid, Neil. I mean, just to – I don't want to sound like that old grizzled reporter here, but it was very refreshing to talk to a kid the other day who was wide-eyed and smiling and, and, and you know, talk about how much he loved the game and the effort he's made to learn English at a young age. He's 20 years old, I think, and really impressed with him. And, and then on Wednesday we saw Jermaine Palacios, the guy that the Rays got, who everyone thought wasn't enough for Jake Odorizzi in that trade with the Twins. And, look, who knows, but you know, at least seeing him on the baseball field, he looked like a baseball player. Yeah, he looked like a pretty good athlete. And speaking of athletes, one we didn't mention yet was a guy who performed quite well on Wednesday. That's Christian Arroyo. And he's been quite impressive his first week in camp. He, he missed the first few games as he comes back from this hand injury, but he had a hit over the weekend. He had a three-hit day on Wednesday, and he's played both third and short and has looked pretty good at both. He does, and I think we're going to see him at second base, obviously, as well. And I think the versatility, he mentioned that after the game Wednesday, talking about you know growing up in the you know first in Tampa and then Hernando County. He knew the Rays, uh, even back then, valued versatility. So, you know, he maybe had the home court advantage there of knowing that. But, look, I don't think he's going to make the big league roster out of camp. It would be a surprise at this point. It would have to probably be an injury for it to happen. But, you know, part of the reason the Rays made that trade with Evan Longoria was to get back, you know, a really talented prospect in Christian Arroyo, a guy that they think eventually, you know, could probably take Longoria's place at third base. He's a guy who is a pretty good defender. He's a little, little chunkier maybe than you'd think for a middle infielder. But, you know, Kevin Cash said on Wednesday he moves his hands well, moves his feet well, and I think anybody who watches Christian Ario play knows he can hit. No doubt about that. And, you know, part of the reason we're seeing these kids is because of injuries. I mean, they were going to get at-bats anyway, but uh, Matt Duffy has missed a, a couple of days now with some back spasms. Doesn't appear to be serious. A Danny Echevarria, a little tightness in the hamstring. Um, Brad Miller has the broken toe. So because of all that, all these guys are getting maybe a little more playing time than they would, and I guess it's a good opportunity for Kevin Cash to really get to know them. And the coaching staff as well. I mean, that's one thing, Neil, that when you're a, a team that tends to churn its roster as much as the Rays do, you know, I think we probably don't put enough importance on spring training in the sense that it gives them a visual. They know what some of these guys look like. I mean, and the coaching staff gets all kind of information that's going to be part of Rocco Baldelli's job this year now is to – 
to kind of work on that flow of information between the minor league staffs and the major league staff. But, you know, the reality is they're going to go by their impression what they think of a guy in their mind. And for the Rays major league coaching staff, Kevin Cash and the staff, and some of the front office guys, which we know have been in uniform as well as part of a different story. But, you know, to see some of these guys play and play against major league hitters. I mean, Ryan Yarbrough faced a pretty strong Twins lineup today on Wednesday, and he did pretty well. No doubt about that. He was he was extremely sharp. No matter what day of the week it was, he was on his game. Um, you know, the injuries that, that we just touched on on the infield, it doesn't appear that those are serious. Really, the serious injury uh, was Brent Honeywell and the fact that he did undergo Tommy John surgery. And I think the positive is that at some point he'll be back next year. And the fact that we have learned that the Rays have a lot of depth in terms of their pitching through the first week of games. Yeah, it, they do. And there is that part that, you know, the success rate on Tommy John surgery is remarkably high, you know, much better, obviously, than shoulder injuries or things like that as far as pitchers go. But the reality still is, you know, Brent Honeywell is 22 years old. He was the Rays' top prospect. He was a top 15 prospect in all of Major League Baseball. You know, you just never know. You never know if a guy's going to come back. Some do come back better. Some have issues. Some now become more susceptible to multiple uh, issues and have to have second Tommy Johns. And Nate Evaldi, who's in the Rays camp, is one of those guys. So it's obviously you know unfortunate for Brent Honeywell and for the Rays that this injury occurred. They obviously are going to hope he gets back and, and you know to get back maybe by the all-star break, maybe a little before next year. But it does allow the depth. the same thing we just talked about with the infielders, but on a longer-term basis. And that's why Chirinos and Yarbrough are guys and you know, Diego Castillo as a reliever. And Mujica is a guy that they're going to look at in spring training. Some of these guys that you know normally would be a couple innings and out are going to get more innings this spring. And let's also remember that they are going with a four-man rotation to begin the year, and that's part of the reason that Yarborough and Chirinos could be looked at as relievers to begin the year. But at some point, they're going to have to also figure out, okay, who's our fifth starter? Is it one of these guys, Yarborough, Chirinos, Matt Andres, Anthony Bonda, who's going to pitch in a game later on this week, Austin Pruitt, Jose DeLeon. There are a lot of options, but that is something they're going to have to sort through. Yeah, and, you know, if we were going to sit here in some of these lavish pre-production meetings that you and Chris Miller cater for us, you know, and speculate on this, I think it would have been that, you know, maybe Honeywell stays at AAA and gets that call in mid-May or so when the Rays need to go to that fifth starter if he was pitching well. And, you know, that's off the board now, so it does open up some different questions. Would they keep a guy in the bullpen, use him as a reliever, and then flip him into being that starter? It's a little tougher because you want that guy to be stretched out. So, so in theory, the guy who may have the more important role on the big league staff as the fifth starter may begin the year in the minor leagues so he can pitch in a regular you know, rotation and, and get to where he can go five or six innings when the Rays need him. Now, the interesting part of their plan, and we need to map this out a little further, but that four-man rotation, they do have – you know, and those, they talk about they have a lot of off days. They have eight days off in a 38-day period. But they also have three different stretches during those first six weeks where they play five or more games in a row, so they're going to need a fifth starter. So they're going to be having to take people out of the bullpen or call guys up to fill in these starting slots as it is. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they work this out. I mean, they're obviously very thorough, and they think all things through and, and – in incredible depth, but it's going to be very curious to see how they play this out with the four-man rotation. And then, you know, they play some games up in the Northeast. They play in Chicago. The potential for a rainout could obviously mess this up as well. And the first 10 days, you got to remember, once you set your roster, you can't change it. So if you want to have a starter among your five guys, you do it. If you want to go bullpen by committee, because I think after the five, you have an off day. So you could go with a lot of multi-inning guys, and that may figure into what that bullpen looks like on opening day. Yeah, and it's, it seems weird to think that coming out of the gate, they would have a bullpen day on the fifth day of the season or the fourth day of the season, depending on how they do it. But, you know, four games against the Red Sox, then a game against the Yankees, the home opener. I think the Stanton-Judge thing might be a big deal up there. I'm not sure. 
then an off day, then they play the Yankees, and they play the Red Sox, then an off day. And so it's a very disjointed schedule. So it's going to be, like you say, how they match it up, how they set it up, who makes the team. But I, I think as we know with the Rays, who makes the opening day roster is not necessarily indicative of who spends most time in the big leagues. No, um, and there are a lot of things to figure out. And we're so early in camp that we haven't even seen the veteran relievers pitch. Um, we're going to see that either Friday or Saturday. Uh, Daniel Hudson, who the Rays just acquired, uh, Sergio Romo, who they signed as a free agent, and Alex Colomay, they're all doing fine, but they are limiting their appearances early. It's that secret backfield work, you know. They all could be working on new pitches and be in the best shape of their life, too. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of the plan uh, going into camp to keep Colomay and Romo back a little bit. I mean, the Rays have done that in the past with some of their other veteran relievers. They feel like they only need maybe seven or eight appearances during the spring. They'd rather just bunch them toward the end than have these guys kind of up and going for the full month. Uh, so it's not unusual. It's not something that they haven't done before. Hudson was a little different in that he was acquired. He'd missed about a week. He had rolled his ankle early in the Pirates camp. So I think he was a little behind to begin with. So I don't know if he would have necessarily gotten the same treatment as these guys, but he's going to be lumped in with them for now. And another guy in a trade, Anthony Bonda, is going to pitch either Friday or Saturday too. So we'll get our first look at a guy that the Rays are obviously very high on. Yeah, he was you know, the biggest piece uh, at this point in the return for Steven Souza Jr. I mean, there's two players to be named. You, you know, you get to assume that Bonda is still the biggest piece in that. I mean, he was the number two Diamondbacks prospect. He pitched in the major leagues last year. You know, he's considered a guy who could be an impact starter in the big league. So I think he definitely is the biggest piece. And, you know, it, it's almost weird just how that works, the karma of things. And the Rays made that trade, completed it Tuesday night uh, last week, and then Thursday Honeywell goes out and gets hurt. And in essence, they have a replacement, quote-unquote, for Honeywell as a really promising, high-level, highly-rated prospect to be a starting pitcher if they were need him, if they need him that way. So it's kind of weird how that worked out, but it could be to the Rays' benefit still, obviously, you know, bad news for the Honeywell situation. No doubt. And as, you, as they say in baseball, you can never have enough pitching depth. In terms of, you know, the other goings-on this week, we saw principal owner Stuart Sternberg. You know, I think probably the, the biggest news line was the fact that Major League Baseball um, – accused not only the Rays, but four teams total, uh, it was the Players Association, right? They filed a grievance for the way that the Rays are, are handling uh, their revenues, um, which I know Stuart Sternberg was a little bit puzzled by because it's not like the Rays have done their business any differently this year or in past years than the way they've done it the last decade. Yeah, I mean, specifically the, the uh, charge, so to speak, by the Players Union in filing the grievance was that the Rays and the other three teams did not follow or comply with the rules regarding how you spend your revenue sharing money. I mean, the Rays, you know, nothing has ever been made official, but I've reported several times in the Tampa Bay Times, you know, they are believed to be the second biggest revenue sharing recipient behind the Marlins, getting about $45 million a year. And you're required under the CBA to spend that money to improve your product on the field. But that's a very broad definition. It's not specifically not limited just to major league salary. And some teams have, you know, very correctly and following the rules invested in, you know, their Dominican academies, Venezuelan academies, training facilities, scouting staffs, you know, technological improvements. So there's so many different ways you can spend it. Now, it's getting tightened up a little, but it's not directly into major league payroll. So, you know, the Major League Baseball said they feel like this uh, grievance is without merit. The union didn't want to comment on it, so I don't really, you know, can't tell you exactly what they saw as the violation here. Obviously, they felt there was, and I thought Stu Sternberg, the race principal owner, was, you know, politely dismissive of it and just said he was surprised they filed it, that they're beyond compliance, and if this has to go, eventually it could go to a hearing before an arbitrator. 
he didn't seem to be bothered by that outside of the inconvenience of having to explain things, but I think he felt pretty good about their case. And I, I guess the biggest thing was that they were found to have been spending so much money on the radio broadcast team. Yeah, that that I'm sure. Um, Marlins, A's, Pirates, by the way, the other teams uh, that they also were accused in the in the kind of same pool with the Rays. Now, uh, you haven't been spending a whole lot of time in the pool, but you've found time to come up with a number of interesting stories. Uh, maybe while poolside, who knows? Uh, one of them was regarding guys in uniform. Um, and we've had some unique guys in uniform from from baseball operations. You did that story over the weekend. Yeah, it was interesting, and it was just one of those examples, Neil, where sometimes just by going out and watching, you see something happen. And I was curious why one of the front office guys, Jonathan Ehrlichman, the director of analytics, was in uniform talking to Tom Foley, the longtime coach who's now a special assistant, one day on the practice field. And I, I kind of thought it was weird, and, and I don't know, maybe he probably cracked a joke or two about it and just wondered why, and then... The next day on Friday, the Rays played their exhibition opener, and he was in the dugout. So, okay, well, unless he won one of those raffles where you have a charity event to spend a day in the dugout with Kevin Cash, something was up here. And asking about it, it just turned out to be a program the Rays were trying. They weren't hiding it. They probably weren't going to announce it either. They weren't hiding it. But it's really an interesting concept. These guys and the other three or four members from the front of staff work in the, the analytics, the R&D department, as, as Cash calls it, and, you know, he wanted the idea was to bring them onto the field level, let them see what a game is like from that position, see how the players react. And, and he even said, Jonathan Ehrlichman, who has the very handy nickname Jay Money, you know, admitted on his first day that he was amazed at how quick the game was, watching it from the dugout, how quick the decision making was. And, you know, games get quicker as you go up to levels. And maybe some of those guys have seen instructional league games, uh, Gulf Coast League games, things like that. But to be in a dugout for a major league game, see how quickly it unfolds. So, you know, if that helps them in how they present the data to the Rays, or also to see some of the emotion in it. Cash said another thing he thought was valuable was for uh, Ehrlichman to see a pitcher coming off the mound after the play doesn't get made behind him. You know, just the emotion that goes into that, where it's, you know, it's not all the numbers and things like that. So it's really an interesting program, mutually beneficial. They mutually agreed to do it. Whether it pays off or not, we'll never know. It's really not something you can quantify, but it's an interesting idea and curious to see the Rays doing it. No doubt. Rays are very progressive, and speaking of progressive, Mark is always progressive in finding out what is going on on the field and in the clubhouse. He came up with some pretty good stories. You should follow him if you haven't already at Times underscore Rays. Mark, we'll talk to you next week. I can't wait, Neil. You know it's always the highlight. Yeah, well, certainly that's what he says. Moving on to some of our other uh, features from camp this week. You know, it was mentioned with Mark that uh, Christian Royo had a really good day on Wednesday and had a chance to catch up with him after the game and touch on his spring so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd, it's been kind of... Uh kind of different last couple of days being um etch has got a little little issue going on um duff with his back nothing crazy but it's nice to get looks at different spots uh, i haven't played short since last year so uh, coming into spring i really didn't know exactly my main position i knew obviously being a race fan my whole life that versatility is huge so came into spring just ready to play whatever and um saw my line saw my name up there in the lineup today at short uh, i was supposed to be at second um but switch is short, and it's always been natural to me. So, I guess you feel you're going to get looks at all those spots this spring at some point? Yeah, I'm assuming. I mean, uh, everyone's kind of been doing that. Um, obviously, everyone saw the D-Rob out there and left today. Like, uh, versatility is huge. So I think um, showing that you can play multiple positions, and then if, as long as you swing it, you know, you, you have a good chance to, to always be in the lineup. So for me, I just want to show that I'm versatile at short, second, third, wherever they need me, and then hit. 
And speaking of, you obviously did today. So uh, for this early in the spring, how do you feel about your swing? Pretty good. I mean, uh, it's obviously not – it's hard to say. I'm being a little picky. Obviously, if you have a three-hit game, you, you, you tend to think that you're, you had a perfect day. But, um, you know, there's some things where there's some pitches that uh, out of the zone I swung at and other pitches, you know, I might have – I might have, uh, during the middle of the season when my swing's feeling right, pulled the left field or something. But, um, you know, I'm just trying to really let the ball travel right now. I'm trying not to get too far out front on my front side and just kind of getting into my swing again, just getting back into the groove. I mean, I've only seen live pitching first time in, what, seven, eight, seven, eight months now. So, um, for me, I'm just trying to take those baby steps, getting back to normal and playing, uh, playing normal. And then... Uh, you know, I'm sure by the season, everything will start locking in. That's Christian Arroyo. He certainly was one of the bright spots in camp for the Rays. And there are several others. Some are competing for jobs. Daniel Robertson among those. Daniel vying for the second base job. And I had a chance to sit down with Daniel and talk a little bit about what he learned last year and his camp so far, especially on the defensive end. Uh, I feel pretty good, um, to say the least. I obviously, as you guys know, put a lot of effort into uh, making the right decisions about coming in uh, a little slimmer and, um, you know, taking care of my body-wise and just moving around the field just feels smooth and clean, not, not having to force anything, not having to, you know, put in extra effort to, uh, you know, go left and right to field a ground ball. So feeling really good in that, in that um, category and just feeling athletic. And um, like you said, just I, I felt really good defensively last year. Obviously, you can still work and improve as much as you can, but um, – I just uh, I love being out there and, and taking hits away from guys. What do you change, if anything, in your diet or preparation or workout routine to lose the 15 pounds that you lost? Um, it's just mainly diet. Um, we got we got hooked up. My trainer um, kind of hooked us up with a new trainer back home, and uh, he would you know still come down and join in the workouts and stuff. So the workouts, yes, were a little different. Um, in a good way. Um, it was awesome. It kicked my butt all off season. And uh, as far as the diet, it's just about putting the right stuff in my body and um, uh, like very low carb, um, high protein. To get specific, is a, a keto diet. So um, it was kind of it was very um, consistent with that routine through the whole off season, and um, you know saw saw the changes and. It's worked out so far. Any guilty pleasures? It was hard to cut out. Or? <laughs> you know what? Um, for the for the first about month or so, I was super strict, and then once I started noticing some changes, I would, uh, you know, a weekend here and there, I would kind of have a cheat day on a, on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, watching football. But um, other than that, it was it was very strict throughout the week, um, and then. And then I went another probably month where I didn't I didn't have any um, you know guilty pleasures as far as ice cream or desserts, but kind of just pick and choose your spots with that. Uh, you know, if I have one day where I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna kind of splurge. It's, I know it's not gonna affect me, you know, because I don't eat eat like that anymore, you know. So, um, but I try to I try to stay on the right path as much as possible. And I know you've been working out a little bit in the outfield. How have you felt with it, and how excited are you to see how it works in a game? Yeah, I mean, um, kind of got a little experience with it last year as far as getting underneath the dome and, um, you know, seeing balls up there and got thrown in it out there an inning last year, and um, I'm excited about it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just about being out on the field and, and getting at bats and helping the team win any way you can. Um, obviously, I know how I can bring value to my defense in the infield to this team. But if occasion arises and they need someone that they can trust in the outfield, 
uh, I feel pretty confident about it. Um, just kind of been doing some simple stuff now as far as seeing the ball in the air, coming through the balls on the ground, and um, and then and BPs just getting out there and shagging and seeing them off the bat live. So uh, it's been good. Like I said, also dropping that that extra baggage, kind of feel myself running around the outfield, and it feels feels good. Speaking of helping the team, you kind of spoke out and probably were most outspoken regarding the team on Twitter this week when some of the changes occurred. Explain what you said and why you said it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we all know what's been going on around here the last week or so, and um, at this point, it is what it is, you know. All those guys, Corey, uh, Suze, Odo, um, just to mention a few, all those guys, it sucks, yes, that they're gone, but from our standpoint we under we understand the business and it's time it's time to move on and turn the page and essentially all I was saying is uh, you know just to the let the fans know to just trust the process and that we have a you know we have a good thing going on here as far as youth and um, you know I think that they have a good idea of, of what what they want to do and um, I, I just was trying to tell the fans that they should be excited for for what's to come you know I know I know it's hard you obviously year in and year out you know you want to you're if you're a fan of a team you want to see them win I get it but you know sometimes you got you got to go through that that rebuilding process and whatnot and um, always you know like I said the AAA uh, championship wasn't on accident you know we, they had a ton of got good players down there all year. Um, and just filtered down through through the rest of the minor leagues. So, uh, with that being said, it's time for guys like me. Time for guys like Malix to step up and really shine and be be a be a star in the league. And and uh, you know, right now in spring, I guess I can say I'm fighting for that opportunity to be able to go out there every day and and prove that to to everyone. everyone. That's Daniel Robertson, who is battling with, among others, Joey Wendell, Micah Johnson, Ryan Schimpf for the second base job. But Daniel also showed this week he's pretty versatile and will play the outfield, too. And while he probably isn't going to make the Rays roster out of spring training, more likely to begin the year in AAA Durham, Joe McCarthy has made quite an impression, too. He's a kid who's had a near 400 on-base percentage his first two years, full years, that is, in the Rays system. Um, and I had a chance to speak with him about what it means to be in his first big league camp. I remember sitting at my house, just a normal day. I'd just gotten back from the gym, my workouts, and just kind of hanging out, and phone rings, and it was George Pappas, and he called me and let me know that I was invited, and I immediately, I remember, I, I didn't know what to say at the time. Uh, I was filled with the excitement, and at that point, I was ready for the offseason to be over and just to get down here and start working out with these guys. What um, were you hoping at the end of the season after, or did you even give it much thought? Uh, it was one of those things that I didn't give much thought because it is one of those things that's out of my hands. Uh, I come to the ballpark and control what I can control. Again, an, an invite to spring training was something that I was hoping for, but not really expecting. It wasn't something that if it didn't happen, it was going to ruin my day, but I was definitely excited to get the call. Speaking of now that you're here, what are you hoping to get out of a camp like this, and whose brain do you pick to try and learn along the way? <laughs> uh, I'm not a big guy on picking people's brains. I like to sit back and kind of watch how guys go about their business and how they take care of their work and approach each day. And so it's one of those things where getting to work with these guys firsthand, it's been, it's been really cool so far. Is there anything in particular you've picked up or you've watched or... No, not, not, nothing specific other than that these guys come to the field to work and get after it, which is a great way for it to be, and I love being a part of it. How did you prep? I mean, now you've been through a couple of seasons, a full season ball, and are there things where you maybe either have improved your 
body physically or things you've improved on in the offseason? Uh, no, for the most part, I kept my offseason workouts pretty much similar to how they've been in the past. I've been fairly happy with how I've been playing recently and how I've been showing up in spring training. So I tried to just mimic what I've been doing the past couple of years as much as I could this offseason. One of the things this year that's unique is obviously all the change here within the last week. With Steven no longer here, it would seem like guys like yourselves may get some more at-bats in spring training. How do you look at the opportunity from that end? Yeah, again, that's not you're, – you're never happy to see guys go ahead of you, but it's one of those things where, yeah, you have to figure that some of the young guys are going to have to start stepping up, and I've come to the ballpark again just getting my work in and preparing myself. So if the opportunity does come, I'm going to be ready for it. You look at your statistics, and you're a guy who traditionally gets on base an awful lot. How do you see yourself in terms of your strengths, and where do you want to grow this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, getting on base is definitely one of the things I focus on. I take pride in my approach to the plate and kind of simplifying myself at bat to a bat, pitch to pitch. And it's one of those things where I just try to simplify it as much as I can. I'm going to try to continue what I've been doing so far in the minor leagues. Are there any areas where you want to really grow this year? Um, whether it's power numbers or anything of that nature, I'm sure that probably gets caught up since you play a corner spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, there's always conversation about the power numbers. But, again, I'm uh, every year I'm doing everything I can to try and improve every word, just get that 1% better every single day and just continuing to get better. Obviously, you came from a pretty good program at the University of Virginia. Your brother is now, what, a potential All-American this year. What's the level of pride? Uh, I'm I'm extremely happy for him, and it, it's just great to have someone who is kind of well for him. He he, he loves that I've been through it. I can be a mentor to him as much as possible. But at the same time, it's just someone that I can step back and talk to about the game of baseball because he's going through the same thing pretty much I go through every day. We appreciate Joe McCarthy being on the podcast along with Daniel Robertson as well as Christian Arroyo and Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Don't forget this weekend we have our latest Countdown Opening Day show with bench coach Charlie Montoyo and third baseman Matt Duffy. That'll be on before the race broadcast on Saturday and Sunday. We look forward to speaking with you again soon, and uh, stay tuned to our blog as well for all the latest news on Rays baseball at raceradio.mlblogs.com. Thanks for being with us. Again, we'll talk to you soon.